Alrighty. Well, we got Kevin here. I met you about a year and a half ago or so at Miami F1. Yeah. I got to ask you one more time. What do you do for a living? You know, that's a good question. A lot of different things. And the whole idea of being an entrepreneur is to be able to do a whole lot of things you want to do. That's the whole deal. I break my day into 30 minute segments and I do things that mean something to me. So it could be watches, it could be guitars, it could be business, whatever. I do what I want to do, and that's what I deserve because I work my ass off to get here. There we go. Well said, well said. Well, I want to kick it off here with watches because I, I see you're a watch connoisseur on TikTok. Uh, what is your favorite watch? So that's a tough question. That's like saying, which is your favorite child? You know, that's not easy to do. My whole thing about watches now is I got a lot of watches. So I'm looking for one-of-a-kind pieces. And... To get a watchmaker to make a one-of-a-kind piece for you, that means you have to establish yourself as a collector. And what that really means to the watchmaker is you're not going to flip it. Because when mm. you get a one-of-a-kind piece, it's priceless. And yeah. immediately you start getting crazy offers for it. I never sell my pieces. You have an AD, a good AD? Well, you know, when you're dealing with brands like AP or Rolex or Patek Philippe or FP Journe, for example and you want F.P. Jordan to make you a one-of-a-kind piece, <laughs> that ain't easy. You're just working directly with the manufacturer. But you, but you're, yeah, and, I, and I'm saying, look, the reason you want to do that for me is I can really accelerate your brand and get it out there, and I'm a collector, and everybody knows that, and everybody knows I don't sell it. Mm. Here's a piece. This is a crazy piece. You've never seen anything like this. Well, we Bringing there. up, you know, I don't know you're going to go to watches, but you've I never love seen watches. this. So this is a one-of-a-kind Chopar laughing skull. This is crazy. They got a, an, uh, an artist to carve that single dial. Look at that thing. Ooh, I don't want to drop it. The oh, my gosh. The time is that single digit in the teeth of the skull. Oh. That's the hour. It's just one. Oh, and that's the hour. So just the yeah, people so that you, can't see it. It's just one number here. That's the number. So, you know, that's wow. the hour. And then this gives you the minute. This is nuts. This is a When I saw this, I went, okay, that's really sick. Like, what's the deal on this thing? So this went to auction at Phillips. Um, I bought it. I love the thing. How much, if you don't mind me asking, is that one worth? You know, let me tell you about auctions at Phillips. There's, I thought I was a big collector, okay? Mm. I thought I was a big swinging dick in watches. <laughs> then I went over to the United Arab Emirates, and I realized I'm a nothing burger. Those, You're a citizen there, right? I am. That's but cool. but That's cool. the, the, the guys over there... There's a collector that has 27,000 watches, the majority of them one-of-a-kind pieces. I won't mention his name because he doesn't like it, like it put out there, but the reason I give you this story is if you go to an auction and this guy wants to buy the watch, you're fucked. There's nothing you can do to beat him. He'll just spend as much so, as so, much. So what I do is I, I quietly ask the auctioneer, we both know who he is, is this guy bidding on the piece? Because if he is, there's no chance for anybody. Nobody has a chance because he wants it and he has unlimited funds. It's kind of like oil money. Can you give me a little info? No, actually, diamond money. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. So really old family wealth, diamond money. Oh, interesting. I've already said too much. But yeah. The, the point is, if he's not bidding on the piece, then you have a then you have a chance. And in this case, I'd seen the piece at the preview, and I said, "Fuck it, I have to have that." Wow. And I asked them many times, is this the guy? Is he going to bid on it or not? And they said, we don't think he's on the phone. Do you see it as an investment or oh, more yeah. of are like a... Ki are you kidding? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is, this is an asset class. This is no different than a painting. It's no different than a, a Ferrari. It's the same thing. You, there's only one of them in the world. I could sell it today for a huge profit, but I wouldn't do it. How mm. am I going to get it again? 
never going to happen. It's true. That's it. Do you, do you have, do you think there's this particular watch brand that's the most profitable, like as far as like investing goes for like the general person? Well, that is measurable, right? So I'll tell you what it is. In the last three years, the, the hot brand that emerged is F.P. Journe. Mm. F.P. Journe came out of nowhere, but it's, he's been around for 22 years. But in the last auctions, the last three years, if you bought a Journe four years ago, you're up thousands of a percent. Mm, like, okay. And his entry level watch now trades for close to eighty thousand dollars. It used to sell for like nine. Oh wow! So think about that. So you're just kind of diversifying. Oh yeah, yeah. But you, every Jorn you can get your hands on, you should buy because okay. this guy is the living Picasso of watches. He won't last forever. Oh. So if you own a Picasso while Picasso was painting, you know what happened. Same thing's going to happen here. Oh wow! Okay. It's a big deal. Very interesting. Yeah. I'm going to switch it up and kind of go the Shark Tank route here a little bit, too. Sure. Um, you've probably been asked this before, but I do want to know what your biggest winner is on Shark Tank as far as uh, profits go. So, you know, the biggest dollar profit was plated, bought by Albertsons a few years ago. But the biggest percentage winner was a crazy deal called Base Paws. This woman comes oh. on. She's, she you know, has a, a Q-tip. And she swabs a cat, okay, cat, cat huh. and does a DNA test on it and says, look, for twenty nine ninety five, I can extend your cat's life 20, 30%. And I said, wait a minute, I can buy a new cat for two bucks. Why do I want to spend twenty nine ninety five? Yeah, yeah. That was a shit storm. I mean, people you know, love what, their animals, yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right. But anyways, the company pre-pandemic, it was such a crazy pitch, I bought it anyway. So I bought a piece of the company. She was so compelling, really smart. I made a lot of money with women. This one, she was a killer. Anna hmm. was her name. We just sold the company at, at such a crazy price that I had to sign an NDA. It went to a very large pharmaceutical company. Oh, wow. All you still can't say which? No. Be, well, they said $50 million, but it wasn't even close oh, to that. Oh, my gosh. It was... They just don't want to know the purchase because they're, they're bidding for other assets. So they, yeah, don't want, yeah. they don't want you to know. So they put out $50 million. But What did you buy it at? And what percentage uh, of the company did you own? I owned about, um, I think it was 3.5%. Okay. And I think I bought it for fifty grand. Fifty grand. <laughs> <laughs> how do you like pick and choose? Like, How many people are you seeing per day on the show? Or, or per season, I should say. 220 pitches, maybe wow. one. Yeah. A, and a, like a hundred thousand applications, two twenty pitch. Some percentage don't make it to air. Maybe a hundred and twenty air. Oh wow! And and so you know, getting on Shark Tank's tough. And if you can get on Shark Tank, um, it's a big deal. Because even if people don't buy it, it's still free advertising for the for the. It's huge. Yeah. It's one hundred ten million people in syndication, and yeah. it's on in forty two countries. I mean, you you know, people that get on there and you talk to them three years later, it, it changed their lives. Can you buy? Can you? Can you potentially like spend money to be on Shark Tank no, or is it all? No. There's this woman named Mindy Casting. She's the first line of defense, if you want to call it that. She's been there since the beginning. She's seen every deal. Mm. And she, if she sees something she likes, she sends it into the producers. They review it. They're looking for great entrepreneurs, great television, great pitches, crazy ideas. And you just don't know the alchemy of how you can get on because we never get to see them. We have no oh, idea what's walking through that just door. Blind and they just actually... blind? And that's the law. I think there's a game show law from the 60s that says you can't know what's coming through the door. Oh, so they don't give you any prep Zero. at all? Zero. Oh, so, wow. So I see at the same time you do and 
magic happens. Wow, that's incredible. And what percentage fall through after the fact? Uh, you know, it varies year to year, but the best way to look at it is you take the data from venture capital um, since 1954, they've been tracking it. You do 10 deals, eight of them are dog shit. Mm. Two make all your money. They look at 100 and only close four a year. Oh, okay. And we're looking at hundreds and close half of them. So we're the we're the most successful venture capital firm in the world. Yeah. We're all operators. We have billions of dollars to invest, and we actually have a platform that gets you in front of 100 million people for free. What venture capital firm can say that to you? None of them. There's none, yeah. And now they're all yeah. bringing their deals to us saying, please put my company on, on Shark Tank. It's a win-win, honestly. Of course it is. Win-win for you, you know, and them. And yeah. so, yeah, we have a... We have a it's it's such an iconic. Who knew this was going to happen? Nobody. Yeah. How did you like? How did how did you first? Were you did they reach out to you originally and say like, hey, this is a brand new show, and did you have any like second thoughts about it? Like, how did it first start? Like, how did you first? End yeah, up on I the got show? a phone call from Mark Burnett, and he said, we're looking for a real asshole, and you're it. <laughs> was that you don't seem like an asshole in real in real <laughs> well, life. I, I'd been on other shows before, and I was working on one called Project Earth in London, England, mm. when I got the call, and I flew over to see him at, at uh, Shutters in in Malibu. Um, and we just talked for a few hours. The next day I taped, and the rest is history. <laughs> you know, that was 15 years ago, and we actually did a little research. There's still 24 people that were there on that pilot shoot that are still working on the show. Wow. 15 years later. So very loyal. Very, crew. very cool. And the reason I tell you that, and I don't think I've disclosed this to anybody yet, you know, there are certain watch companies that when some extraordinary founders come along, let's say you founded Google or Microsoft or something, they will make a one-of-a-kind watch for you. Mm. They'll put your name on it, its own serial number, um, and maybe make it out of a precious material that watches aren't made of. And that company's called Tudor. It's owned by oh, Tudor, yeah. Rolex. Yeah, yeah. They make a Submariner made out of silver, Oh. which over the years when you wear it, takes on a very unique patina to your chemistry of your skin. Oh. It's very hard to make. They are making 24 one-of-a-kind tutors. I'm sponsoring the deal with the name of every single person that was there that day 15 years ago. Oh, wow. And that is the Founder Series. It's, it's, going, to be a, it's going to have a Shark Tank logo on it, your name, a serial number that's unique to you. I think it'll be friggin' priceless. When That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because they said, what about Shark Tank? It's it's so iconic all around the world. I said, what about it? I'll sponsor the watch. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so cool. cool. It is cool. Oh, so I want to ask you too about crypto. Um, what, what do you think, first of all, are you still invested in crypto and do you think it will replace fiat currency in the future? I am invested in crypto, but I'm more interested in payment systems. Right now, the state of the situation is, and I've been pretty close to this as you know this yes. has been a shit show for me um we have we have the founder generation of call them kryptonians mm. the great entrepreneurs that brought these projects forward that founded polygon founded eth founded bitcoin all of this stuff and the founders of the exchanges sam bankman fried number one yep. brian the ceo of coinbase cz the ceo of uh, binance they're all going to be gone soon mm. because they've gone to war against the regulators all around the world. And the problem with that strategy is that this isn't going to work unless we can integrate it into the entire globe's financial system. And the reason I say that is 
if you could use let's say a real easy use case, tie it back to our watch conversation. I want to buy a watch from a watchmaker in Zurich. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's say the piece is eighty thousand dollars. He wants forty thousand upfront, one of a kind piece. Okay, I do that kind of thing. I want to support young watchmakers coming into horology. Do you know how hard it is to move eighty thousand dollars to Switzerland and turn it into Swiss francs? What a total pain in the ass it is. The amount of work and time it takes a week and it costs you a fortune mm. because you got to get permission to move it through the old shitty ACH system, which and they lose it sometimes, which they did in this transfer. Mm. And then you have to get it there and pay some banker to transfer it into Swiss francs. Now imagine if the kid had an account in stablecoin. I see, what do you need, kid? 40,000 US dollars. Okay, USDC cool? Yep. Boom, he has it. Totally transparent, totally would, you, you could see who sent it, trackable, where it went to, trackable yeah. on the chain, as long as both regulators approved it. So we need those regulators to get into that as a payment system because it'll. that's the biggest market in the world is the currency market. It's trillions of dollars every day, and it's a really crappy, shitty old system made 50 years ago by private sector, now regulated. So when you ask me, well, what, is it great that, that Bitcoin sues the SEC? No, that's stupid. That's really stupid because we will not advance this at all. The better strategy is say, okay, regulator, you win. Now, what can we do together? Because the minute that happens, I'll show you a trillion dollars coming into crypto. Do you think that uh, the reason that it's having such a hard time moving through is because of the interests already in people that own these certain, the regulators, the lobbyists, all that kind of stuff? Do you think they just don't want to give up, you know, kind of their, their power there? Or Maybe, but the truth is, and this is the dirty truth, the amount of money in crypto today is nothing. It's nothing compared to the global financial services system. It's absolutely dog shit. Mm. It's so tiny, it's irrelevant. You know, you talk about a sovereign wealth fund, the kind of guys I work with, a $100 billion fund is small, okay? That's a small sovereign fund. Would they like to have 3% weighting in Bitcoin? Sure they would. They wouldn't touch it until it's regulated. So for all of the excitement about Bitcoin, it's rat shit. It's nothing. I mean, I can't tell you how small it is. It's this. Mm. And now if you want to make it worth something, you regulate it and a trillion dollars pours into it just because every sovereign fund says, I'll take half a percent, I'll take 1%, I'll take 3%. That's why I want to get rid of these guys that are suing regulators. Let's change the management, get people that are competent to work with regulators so that we can all make some money here. Yeah. We could, I, I own a ton of Bitcoin. I want it to be $100,000. never going to happen while we're going to war with the regulator because the big yeah. guys are never going to buy it. Do you own Ethereum as well? Or? Oh, yeah. I own them all. Okay. You know, and, I, and I'm a believer in the payment system side. I think the hottest ticket right now is SUI. Um, you know, that's Mistin. That, that's a hot new project. The guys that came out of Facebook. No one's okay. heard of it yet. Is, uh, the twins? Well, no, the, they're Gemini, right? No, no, that's Gemini. This okay. is a guy that came out of Facebook um, that is all he's focused on is speed. Okay. So he's going to own gaming and he's going to own transfer. So, the, you know, gaming latency is your killer. So if you're if you're if you want to start passing tokens around in the middle of gameplay, you got to be fast. Yeah. Ethereum's yeah. too slow. So he can do it. So this guy has sped the whole thing up, and it's a very and then of course payment systems. 
You want to do a million transactions a minute? You got to use this. Hmm. So that's uh, that's a bet I'm making. You know, products like okay. that. So you're betting on crypto still being here in a hundred years. I'm betting beyond that. I'm saying it's going to be the twelfth sector of the economy in five hmm. years. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I believe it. It'll be I us. agree too. Yeah. Financial services, but we got to get rid of the crypto. We got to thank them for their service to bring this to where it is today. But we got to take them behind the bar and get rid of them and get some managers in there. They're going to work with regulators. Yeah. Do what about NFTs? Do you think that's in another same sphere? deal? It's got to get regulated. I w I'd okay. like to have an NFT for every one of my watches, but the watch companies aren't going to touch it until it's approved by regulator. No one's going anywhere while all this fraud shit's going on. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's you know there's just too much of this crapola and these tokens on exchanges and all this BS. The Wild like, West, right? It's now. all crap. Yeah, it's all crap, and it keeps the whole sector as dog shit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it'll change. Too. Sorry for all my French. Too. No, I, I don't give a, I go, fuck. <laughs> You're good. We bleep everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I did want to ask too. What advice if you if you go back, knock your 18 year old self in the in the head and give him some advice? What would you give your yourself as advice, or just the general 18 year old out there? Well, what I have learned is don't listen to the noise. Find the signal. You know, shut out the noise because what happens to you when you're working on something is. Uh, particularly today with all the social media crap out there. I mean, mm. look what happened to Budweiser and look what happened to yeah. Target. And this is an example of what's occurring out there. Don't get distracted because all that stuff is noise. And so you've got to focus on what matters and, and, and not listen to the noise and stay on message and make sure that you're on mandate and you set a goal and you get there. I tell that to every entrepreneur. If you get stuck on noise, you're fucked. Do you think political correctness is a big issue um, or do you think that's just kind of a, a side issue, that, you know, in regards to like Budweiser and all that kind of stuff? Well, if you're a company or if you're not, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a brand, if you're a product or service and you want everybody to use it, you shouldn't even talk politics because mm -hmm. you got 50 percent. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. Right. You're going to piss off 50 percent of your constituency. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're a company and selling beer like a commodity, beer is a com all the beers are the same. It's just have different brands. Yeah. yeah. So it's all owned by you know, right. people, are, people are boycotting Budweiser and it's and they're going to Miller or whatever. Right. But it, the whole <laughs> point is to just to actually lose 25 percent market share in 36 hours. That's never been done before. You have to really piss somebody off to do that. And a lot of them have to be your customers. It's really hard to do that. Yeah. But somehow they did it because they got involved in something that has really nothing to do with beer. It certainly doesn't matter uh, to, to, you know, if you're a beer company, you got customers, you got a brand, you got employees, you got shareholders. That's all you got. Hmm. Your, your job is not to teach people social mores or get in a debate about gender neutrality or talk politics. The minute you do that, you're lost. That's noise. Hmm. That's not your brand. Okay. So ignore the noise. Yeah, It'd be the biggest got, thing you'd otherwise say. Otherwise, you're going to get screwed. And they're the, they're the, the, the absolute standard of screwdom. Like yeah, no one's ever done what they did. It's actually insane, honestly. I don't yeah. know how it's going to be like a textbook kind of thing in like economics class. I like think. Kid Rock shooting the cans. Yeah, yeah. It goes viral. It, people, they're throwing beer cans at people. That I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, I was going to ask you too about college in general. Do you think it's aside from becoming a lawyer or a doctor, somewhere where you need like an actual degree? Do you think college is overvalued? Do you think it's a good investment today as compared to what it was like fifty years ago? I've never thought of it as a bad investment. You should try and find something. The thing about college is if you don't know what you want to do, you've got to find something you're passionate about because the worst job in the world is to get up in the morning and do something you don't want to do, mm, yeah. just, you know, just for money. That sucks. Great careers are built around passion that you, you, you want to work 24 hours a day because you really like what you're doing. Now, if you like engineering, that's the most 
lucrative career you can have, right? Mm. I don't care what discipline you pick. The, the world doesn't have enough engineers and the world's competing against engineering. And AI is just another example of that. So if you love engineering, be an engineer. Yeah. But if that's not what your calling is, there's many other things. But the real value of college, I felt, even for engineers, is who you meet. You're gonna forget everything they teach you five years later. Yeah. But yeah. you're gonna know a lot of people that are gonna help you in your path and I think that's the value. So if you can afford to do it, do it. Yeah, I think it's just when you're going to these crazy private schools and you're majoring in underwater basket weaving. I agree too. It's kind of it's more of a social uh, kind of a social thing to meet people and network and all that. Yeah, kind of underwater stuff. basket weaving is a really small market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people though with the degrees out here, especially people in LA that I've met. I would ask you too about LA. Do you do business here in LA? I've, I've heard you had some words about LA in general that I think a lot of people agree with. Uh, what do you think of the city as far as investing goes? Or California in general? Well, I don't put any money in California. It's not open okay. for business. I, I don't invest in California. I don't invest in New York. I don't invest in Massachusetts. They are losers. In, they're not competitive in terms of their tax policy. I put money into Texas, uh, Florida, North Dakota, Oklahoma, West Virginia, like these places have really competitive policy and very, so I, I mean, because post pandemic, people can work anywhere. Put your HQ in Fargo, mm. second largest Microsoft campus in the world. Nobody knows that, but wow, fantastic policy. So you set up there and you can have other people working wherever they want, save a ton of money. We do the same thing in Florida. That's why real estate, I think 3000 licensed places from New York a month come in from high net worth in New York. Oh, wow. And Everyone's I think just they, out. California lost half a million people in the last 12 months. Everybody's checking out a Dodge here. It's the work from home. What do you think about work from home? Oh, it works. Uh, we yeah. do it. I, my whole, all my operating companies work from home. I've, I'm hearing the debate, but you can't find the best people unless you let them work the way they want to work. Yeah. And you, and you, you, you move to project management, like finance person, get the report finished by noon on Thursday. I don't give a shit when you do it. It could be three in the morning or it could be 10 from nine to five. I don't care. Just yeah. get it done. And so that, to me, is the new way of work. I've seen Elon Musk, who's complaining about it and all that. But I think unless you're doing a hands-on job or you're collaborating with people, you know, if it's something like a, fi a finance job, you can certainly do that from anywhere. I mean, not all jobs, but I think it really depends on the job. Yeah, I would yeah. say 40%. What we found is 40% never came back. They're primarily in accounting, logistics, and compliance departments. Mm. The people that used to live in cubicles, they don't want to do it anymore. And they've moved out of the city. Elon's big problem with Twitter his employees live in a war zone. That place has gone to shit. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a rat hole. I, I don't understand how it's still operating right now. Well, it's not. The hotels are pulling out. All the drugstores are pulling out. You can't walk there at night. I mean, the crime has just gone rampant. In San Francisco? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a write-off. Yeah. And so why would you... You need a tank to go to work there. You need a bulletproof yeah. vest. The cars, I've seen that they can punch it. Yeah, they have they, these little things. Yeah, they smash cars. The cops don't come. I mean, that place is out of control with bad management. So you've got bad management of the of the state of California, and then you've got bad management of the city. You combine of San Francisco, and to a certain extent LA, but you, you combine bad management at both levels, you get a shithole. Yeah. And that's what you get. San Francisco is, is, a, is the world, it's the, it's the armpit of the world. Have you seen the, uh, the poop map of San Francisco? Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> I, I don't go there anymore for safety reasons. No, it seems like no one else will either. Yeah. You, they've canceled conferences. Nobody wants to go there. You can't walk past six o'clock. You get executed. Yeah. I, I mean, last time I was there, my car got broken into in, in, in an hour. I parked it somewhere for an hour. It's broken into all my yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Tenderloin, which used to be the war zone, now expands about a block, it seems, every week. Mm. So it's just, it's just going to 
that will be the first official zombie city. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and filmmakers can go in, except all their equipment is going to get ripped off. Yeah, yeah. Do you think L.A. is next for, for that? Yeah, it's on its way. Um, it's still pockets, I think. Like, yeah. you know, downtown's becoming kind of zombie Yeah, a little zombie-ish. Also, you really don't want to walk around here at night, even in Beverly Hills with a watch on. That's a bad yeah. idea. I have some friends that have gotten there. Uh, it's a whole thing. Same, we're in the car, you know, kind of scene, and people will be driving down here. There's Right here on Rodeo, some guy got his car, a Ferrari. Five guys come by drag them out he fights them off but right. other people get their richard nails uh stolen yeah, no, that story is well known much but watch collectors don't wear watches outside it when i go out for dinner in la i i put on a faux watch no oh, okay uh, it's a special watch that i can hand over to somebody at gunpoint and say it's yours okay and then i fucked him pretty good when he figures out what it is oh gotcha Maybe okay he shoots me i don't know so if you're in public it depend <laughs> does it depend on the event if you're at like uh if you're at like a nice event though you're wearing a real watch not often um, okay interesting you know it's my my watches are i got i have collections all over the world in bank vaults here's the big issue with watches i want to insure them but i only want to insure the 17 or 18 i travel with well here when i'm shooting with shark tank i wear a different watch you know one in the morning one at noon one at night so i got three mm. pieces a day oh wow and so i've got to work with the hotel to put them in the big vault i have to you know i make sure i travel i, I never wear them out like it just yeah. never happens yeah and so that's a shame. It really is sad. Miami's a little better. It's not as bad, but LA is a is is a war zone too, but not as bad as San Francisco. But it's on its way. It's trying to it's trying to get up there. It's a two star for shithole, and San Francisco the three star. Uh, how did you make your first million dollars, and what was that like? <laughs> you know, how old a, were you? That's a very good question because what I real and I'll, I'll give this advice to people. It's almost impossible to make your first million dollars. It, you work your ass off. It's, it's so hard. And, you know, it re what it really takes to do is to have the discipline of not buying shit you don't need. Mm. And you, your career gets moving and you start, you look at your clothes, for example. I, I, I sh you know, even, even my really, really wealthy friends, I go into their closet and say, what is all this shit? Mm. When's the last time you wore that? Well, I've never worn it. You just, there's so much, like I wear the same two jeans. I got 25 of these Shark Tank suits. I don't wear anything else. <laughs> yeah, this is like my, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and sort my of. fits like $20. There's so much <laughs> waste of crap. So to make that first mill is you got to invest it. The market's going to make you 8%. I kind of ground my way there. And then I thought, well, my sights are on five. It's going to be impossible. It wasn't as hard to get to five as it was to one. Exponential, just kind of just. And then. 50 was my next goal. I said, if I can get to five, why can't I get to 50? And this may sound insane, but f to get to 50, you just have to love what you're doing. Once you're an entrepreneur and you're building a business and you're at it every day, I woke up one day and went, shit, wow, there it is. Hmm. And then the Hunsky is your next one. You know, it's, Hunsky. Sort, of, it's sort of like- Savage. And then there comes a point where, well, I don't need any more money this is good, I need more time. Because the whole deal, the, the reason you work your ass off is to be free, that's the whole point. So it, it's, not, it's not about the money anymore. I wanna, I wanna be competitive and I wanna do things and I wanna have fun with entrepreneurs and I wanna collect watches. The only reason I work is to buy more watches. I mean, my, okay. wife, thinks, my wife wants to get me a psychiatrist on this. <laughs> Actually. I, I, I'm bringing back pieces that are insane. <laughs> so it's an addiction. It, it is an absolute addiction. 
Luckily, it's not injecting myself with drugs. It's yeah. a different kind of. Drug. I mean, you can still sell. It's an asset still. Yeah, you, unfortunately, yeah. you can't because. Oh, when the, you, yeah. When, you, when you're when you're getting to the point where you're getting these incredible pieces, you can't sell them. You got to put them in your coffin. Okay, because they're one of one. Yeah, I'm, just, yeah. You know. So I said, to my son. He said, "Really, I love some of this stuff." That I said, unfortunately, it's coming to the afterworld with me. All, all <laughs> You'll be buried pieces. with it. It's, yeah, I need it. You're going to a place where you really need a good watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to know too about uh, real estate versus stock market. What do you think is the easier way to make money, or what do you think is the best way to make money for the general person out there? Like, say, someone has a million dollars. Would you rather them put it in like the S&P 500 or would you rather them kind of start to build up a real estate portfolio? Real estate is, is always 20% of my net worth. Let me give you a, something my mother taught me. This is crazy, but boy, does it ever work. I was like 15, 16 when she gave me this advice. And, and she was not a stock market analyst or anything. She just was mm. really savvy with money. She said, here's the deal. Put 40% of your net worth in fixed income, like okay. bonds, okay? Even as a young person? Even as a young person, okay? okay. And then the rest, 60%, in all, in, in all the rest is in the S&P now. At her time, there was only 10 sectors in the S&P. Mm. Real estate was not one of them. But now it is. We have 11 sectors in the S&P. No more than 20% in any one sector, no more than 5% in any one stock. And this is genius advice, because I've used it my whole life, and this really fucking works. Mm. So when you have these big corrections, you're so protected with diversification. So the, the max I have in real estate is 20%, and I own a lot of real estate. That's my yeah. biggest weighting. So okay. I own a lot of real estate. But I own a lot of stocks too, but no stock is more than 5% of my net worth. And when it gets like an Apple takes a run or Tesla takes a run, I turn it back every 90 days. And then when that takes a shit, it's, I've already got all my money out of it. And I swear mm. to you, every stock will one day have a massive correction. That's just the way yeah. it works. Yeah. So if you listen to my mother, thank you, mom, mm. you go 40 fixed income, 60 equity, and no more than 5% in any one stock, no more than 20% in any one sector. You know, energy is a sector, technology is a sector, real estate is a sector. That's how you do it, and that's how you preserve your wealth. It's free advice from a really savvy woman. Wow. That, that's very specific. I like that. Yeah, yeah. it works. It yeah. really, really, really works. So I work every 90 days with all of the people that manage my stuff. And I say, okay, what do we got over here? What do we got over here? I mark to market my positions every night because I'm in you know, indexing business. Hmm. I know exactly what happened to me during the day. Anything that gets past 5%, chop it down, hmm. sell it down. I do the same with um, with the 5% thing. But I've kind of put all my money in. I used to be an individual guy. I mean, I'm young, obviously, but I used to kind of have more individual. And I'm just like, why would I bet against the market when the yeah, market so long term? Just buy an index. Yeah, I just buy yes, VOO, VTI. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I yeah. mean, look, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it, it's and that has proven to be a really good strategy, very low cost. Yeah. The discipline is making sure you take 15% of what you make each month, 15%, mm. and you put it into the market. And it doesn't matter what you make. If you only make the average salary 56000 a year when you're young in your 20s, you're going to end up with a million and a half bucks at the end of your career. That's enough to survive on, but it's got to be 15%. So don't buy the shit that you buy you don't need. Hmm. Like you can, you can cut back your spending by 15%. It's not hard. Gotcha. That's what I tell everybody. Only not everybody can do it. I do that. I do that still. What amount of money would you say it takes for someone to be wealthy? Or at least comfortable. Yeah, that's a great question. It depends what you want out of your life. You know, it's all about lifestyle. You can live off half a million bucks in the bank. Hmm. You can do it. 
and do nothing else to make money. It's a little tough, but you can do it. And the amazing thing is in America, you can get half a million bucks in the bank, even if you have an average salary. You can get there. You, you gotta get the nut. I call it the nut, the half a mil. Hmm. A better number that you can really you know, be with your spouse, your girlfriend, or your significant other and really enjoy life is a million and a half. Okay. These are, because you can make off that about 5% in fixed income with very little risk, or you can make eight and a half, nine percent if you put some of it in equities too, and we're willing to ride the volatility. You're using the like four percent rule there, or, or what? Oh, you have to. You have to the five percent rule. You five percent. You have okay. to have the that that million and a half has to have diversification. You can't do not invest in your brother's restaurant or a bowling alley <laughs> or a bar or all that other crap. You'll lose no. your money on that. But the point is, you asked me for a number. The nut is five hundred thousand minimum. Okay, nut, and you start to glide at a million and a half. Okay. And, and, when you, and when you get past a million and a half, now you're talking watches. Okay, amazing. Do not ever buy a watch on debt. Never buy a watch on debt. Okay, and just And if you're gonna cash. buy a watch, you can get a Grand Seiko or a, or a Tudor at a reasonable price, and that's a great piece for the rest of your life. Do not collect watches on debt. I can't believe people telling me, oh, you know, I just spent 300 grand on a watch and I borrowed it. <laughs> Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, like that, that is you crazy. Can't, you can't do that. Yeah, some people they just don't know. Yeah, well, that's crazy. That's crazy. That that's that is a disease like gambling. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a, totally against that. Are you a gambler? No, I, that's a stupid way to lose money. Okay, but Vegas blackjack? No. Yeah, yeah. I put down ten bucks. I know I'm going to lose it. Okay. I was a gambler once, blackjack, and I got wiped out, and I I owed the house money, and it took oh, really? two years to pay it off. You break your kneecaps? No. The truth is, they're pretty reasonable if you're reasonable with them. And okay. I saw the dark side of gambling because. I was pretty good at blackjack. Then I got into craps. That's where I got blown up. Best odds, right? Well, oh, craps is a really interesting emotional game, and I got really good at it. And then one day, I blew myself up. Mm. Late at night, I won't even mention which casino. Okay. And, and so when you have that experience, and you wake up the next morning, and the house is calling you, and I found them very reasonable. They brought me downstairs and said, okay, kid, what's the plan? Mm. What's the plan? How old were you? 25. Okay, my age. That would have been scary. Someone... It was. I was your age. I did it in one night. But they were reasonable, at, though? At a, at a, a conference called Comdex, because oh. I was in the computer business. They were. And and what it did to me is it was so sobering. It was like, it was like Alcoholic Anonymous. I just knew I couldn't gamble again because of where I was. And I, it took me two years to pay them back. Wow. And they didn't really... They, because they saw me every month and because I communicated with them and I stayed on schedule, they never got heavy with me. Okay. But they never got me back as a customer. Okay. Well, I mean, as long as you kept, you know, some people probably just I go just in and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put 10 bucks down. Yeah. But I, 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 I was, uh, I was a shooter. Like, okay. And I was a shooter and I could read people. I, I could see how crazy they got. And, and y y y you see it happen on craps with people that are drinking. You don't want to drink when you're gambling. Mm. It takes away your edge. Gotcha. You, you don't know what, where, you're, where, you're, where you are. You're, you're lost. And that's, that's where I see them blow up. Is that why they kind of just keep funneling people drinks? Free drinks. Yeah. When they see a shooter, when a guy and he's got two girlfriends or whatever it is, and he's, he's just swinging for the fences and he's ramping up and he's playing crazy odds. And sometimes you win a little bit at the beginning. Mm. 
but he can't walk away. It would have been fun, though, to gamble with you in Vegas back in the day. <laughs> I, I tell you a crazy secret I've never told anybody. I used to bring an eggplant with me. An eggplant? Eggplant. To and Vegas? I, I take the eggplant and I bring it with me to the crafts table. Like a lucky? Egg? Like a lucky eggplant. <laughs> it didn't have to be the same eggplant. It was always an eggplant. Oh, really? And everybody would look at it and say, Is that what? a thing? Is that it, a... Was, it was my thing. <laughs> I, it's like my red bands today. But, you know, it's sort of... I always thought it freaked out the dealer. Yeah, I sure, <laughs> probably would I'd freak sure you out. I hold up the eggplant, I look at it, I kiss it, and I put it down. And, <laughs> and, and the the guy would look at me saying, and I'd say, "Put the eggplant down." And when the game was over, often I won. I'd take the eggplant with me. Getting <laughs> if you lost, you throw it. It's not easy. You got to bring it with you. Oh, okay. You if, can't call the kitchen. Give me a whole eggplant. Yeah, where do you go? Get you just go you to the grocery. You gotta bring store? it with you. You go to a grocery store. You go to Kroger's, pick up a nice eggplant. You want a good-looking eggplant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice of course. Firm. You know they're kind of purplish. Yeah, yeah. That was my how big strategy. we talking? Everybody has a strategy. Mine was the eggplant. Okay, I love that. <laughs> I think that's a good. I think that's a good way to end this. Honestly. You got it. You got it. All right. Well, don't gamble, but bring don't an eggplant if you but do. But if you do, bring the eggplant. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on. You got it. That was all fun. right. I'll thank bring you. the eggplant. <laughs>